0: Okay, um, I don't want any of I don't want this next verse to be put up on the screens okay? and I don't want you to look at your Bible so it's not going to be on the screen you, it, you, you can't cheat and look at your Bible I, I want to I wanna, I wanna walk us through a verse of scripture that many of you are going to know but I want you to say it like I say it okay because the emphasis is going to be on the right syllable alright the a reason we're going to say it this way. Yes, like my dad, Thank you. Psalm 37.4, you can say that back to me. Psalm now you're going to have to do, let's just, just full voice, sit up straight first and sleep to you on your left, just slap the fire out of them, just wake them up and just say, you, you need to get this. And one on your right, just in the ribs. Psalm 37.4. Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself delight yourself in the Lord delight yourself in the Lord and he, and he will, give will give you the desires, desires. Plural. plural say that back to me plural plural the desires, desires. Of, your of your heart delight yourself in the Lord, Lord. and he will will give give you the desires desires of your heart. One more time. You don't have to say one more time. That's good. That's good. That's good. good. Delight yourself yourself in in the the Lord, Lord. and he will give you the desires of your heart. 2017, the year of our Lord. May this promise become our very personal and very present possession. You say, well, I've heard that all my Christian life. A lot of us have. Then how come we've missed it happening for us? I want to just take apart a little bit of this with you and for you. And if you want to, I hope you will, jot down at least some of these thoughts because I'm hoping this will be just real practical. But as we move through the year, and if this is going to be a promise that we as a congregation hold on to, to try to live our part of and remind the Lord of, And I believe it would help us to have some of these primary aspects of it clear in our minds. We're speaking of an opposite emotion here. If I were to ask you what the opposite of fear would be, or the opposite of worry would be. Or the opposite of stress would be. Or the opposite of rejection would be. You could come up with a series of words, but here is one that might fit right in the center of our thinking and in some ways encompass all of the other nouns or adjectives we might come up with, and it's the word delight. An opposite of stress would be delight. An opposite of worry would be to be delighted in something. An opposite of rejection would be to be delighted. Delight yourself in the Lord. Webster defines the verb to delight in this way, to take great pleasure in, to take great pleasure, to take great enjoyment in. The Hebrew word translated delight in this instance, Psalm 37, 4, the Hebrew word will be translated into English with two primary emphases. One is delight, the other is delicate or soft or gentle. Because this is David who wrote psalm 37 for David is a warrior, you know starting with Goliath and moving on through the Philistines and, and all the armed cities they overthrew, and he was a leader of men he was a He was a wielder of a sword. He he could draw a bow. He could scale a wall with a sword in his mouth and take on the enemy. But in this spot, at the end of his life, Psalm 37, written toward the end of his life, he said, let me tell you something I've learned. You figure out how to enjoy God by taking pleasure in the softer side, the delicate side of God, and you camp out there on the parts of God that you can enjoy, that you can look forward to, that you can delight in, and you live your life focusing upon those aspects of God, and here is what He will do for you. He will take out of your part of the equation, any responsibility to make happen what you want really bad. It's the wrong focus, the wrong aim. Here's where you aim, with soft parts. Not weak, not cowardly, Maybe a better word would be the tender, the tender, the tender side of God. Can I ask you a question this morning? And all of us need to just face up to this. Do we really have a grip on the kind side of God? On the tender, gentle, merciful, soft, so I'm not making this up. You, you, you go back to your own, do your own Hebrew research. The same word translated delight is the same word that is translated in other places, delicate. You, you, you put the two together and you get something of a composite understanding and meaning of, that's intended by that word. You're not going to delight yourself in something that tastes bad. Somebody said, I want to feed you a bowl full of cut-up, diced, sliced, diced, raw onions. And I'll say to them, you know what? You can have my bowl. And every other bowl you can get, you can have, because they don't taste good to me. Raw onions. This is assuming that there is something about God that is desirable for us. We we spent some time last week talking about where this all, where it all started, when when God got ready to do something that nobody had ever done before, who who started the operation of Jesus coming to be born of the Virgin Mary. It didn't start on this earth. The, The love of God, the love for God didn't start on planet earth love for the human race, fallen, unrepentant, nobody baptized yet, nobody given a dime to missions yet, false religions created just to, just to be in the face of the one true worship of the one true God. It started with him loving us. If I were to ask you, what, what kind of person do you delight in? Now, if we're going to be delighting ourselves in God so that the result would be that he would give us the desires of our heart, what kind of person, just person, would we delight in? I think there are three aspects of it. One is this. It's one who receives you warmly. You're going to delight in the presence of somebody who is glad to see you coming, not trying to find a way out the back door, not, not when you ring on the doorbell it's saying, tell them I'm not home. <laughs> You'll delight in someone who receives you warmly, genuinely interested in you accepting you as you are, maybe not agreeing with everything you're doing and knowing you can be better and encouraging you to, to, to climb higher as you get to know them. But they're just accepting you. They're not meeting you with a standard held out, a, 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 a high jump bar. It's okay, okay, jump this. And then we can sit and talk. Jump this, nail that trick, and then maybe I'll give you a little attention. Those folks like that, folks like, and they can be parents, they can be bosses, they can be former friends, old friends, but they just somehow when it come down to the, to the delight category of who we really want to be around. They hit the bottom. David's saying, you need to understand some things about God, who he really is. If you're ever going to delight in him, he Is interested in you. It's not that he goes to sleep and he turns a a blind eye to everything wrong in our lives. He knows better than we do how messed up we are in places. But, folks, listen, you got to let this in and need to let this in with regard to some other people that you know and care about and they're running you crazy because of the life they're living and you think, I can't take it anymore. God didn't start loving us when we walked down the aisle of a church. God didn't start loving us when we quit cussing. He didn't start loving us when we repented of this, that, or the other. He loved us so much that before we were ever born, before we'd ever made a choice, before we'd ever spoken a word, he loved us to the point of Jesus himself going to the cross to pay with his life's blood, the sins that I hadn't even committed yet, but he knew were coming. You let that in, that he loves you first. He he didn't love us after we tried to straighten things up. He loved us before, and the scripture will teach us that the only reason we started loving him in the first place is because somehow we began to love him back. We love because He first loved us. Somehow it began to warm our hearts and stir our hearts that He cares about me. He loves me. He loved me before I repented. He loved me before I got baptized. He loved me. He loved you. He loved me. You let that in, folks, listen. And it has the power to change everything you ever thought about God that he loved you. Therefore, when your name comes up, he's not ready to spit. When your name comes up, he's not ready to stomp his foot. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him would not have to perish. Life without him, life absent of him in eternity, absent of him, but would have everlasting I think David was just wanted to make it real clear that try to help us. He's he's one. You can delight in him because he is one who receives you warmly. Isaiah 55, that that section that talks about his ways are higher than our ways and and his thoughts beyond our thoughts. You know what the context of that is? The context is the mercy of God. It, it, It means that he's saying. I forgive, and I release, and I restore people different than the human race forgives and restores people. My ways of forgiveness, my ways of mercy are so far beyond the human race that it won't even compute. So he says, let the wicked man come back home. You let the one who has forsaken God return. And here's the word. And you will find your God abundantly ready to pardon Not seething and stewing and flashing lightning bolts and anger, but abundantly ready to party. So we say to the runaways, come on home. Get yourself back home. It's not that you're going to line up for a spanking or spend four years in the principal's office. The wages of sin is death. God doesn't have to do anything to punish. Sin will do that. He punishes. The Lord punishes sin. Yes, he does. But his delight is not to have to punish. His delight is to restore. His delight is to establish a relationship that we can delight in him with. So just say that to one who receives you warmly. Here's another one. You're going to enjoy somebody, delight in somebody in whose presence you can relax. You have been in the presence of ones that you'd like to be impressed with you, and you're wondering, did I put my fork down on the right side? Did I pick up the salad or dessert fork? Have I got what I need to do right here? Watching, scared to breathe. Now, you may do that when you're assigned to do that. But that's not, that's not your default position of where delight will take you, where you can't relax. I'm telling you folks, you one of the greatest verses in all the Bible is that one out of Matthew 11, where Jesus said, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, "'and I will give you rest.'" I will give you permission to drop it, to let go, to not stress it anymore. I will give, you come to me, you unload on me, whatever is, is, is bothering you, has worn you out, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. You're gonna delight in the presence of somebody who allows you to relax? If you want to take a nap, if you want to doze on off, they're not going to be so highly offended that that was your last trip to that street address. Rest. Now, Father, now you understand, I want you, you to just, just, just hear what I'm trying to say that I believe is consistent with the word of the Lord. You say, well, you press that too far, preaching of just a bunch of lazy Christians. Let me say, we've been, we can push people so hard and we can, we can, we can try to amp people up with the ought to and the guilt. And you better do this. If you don't do that, what's going to happen to you? And all? You, we we've, we've done that ad infinitum. And where has it still gotten us? Tired, mad church members guilty. So what if the rest of the story really is? The love affair between heaven and the human race started in the heart of heaven. What if he's going to love us and care about us and desire for us to be united with him, whether we ever repent and turn to him or not? He'll miss us. We'll miss all kinds of things. But it doesn't mean that he just started loving us when we decided to turn around and start living right. And in the presence of that one like that, there is the ability to come and say, Lord, I'm tired. I I don't don't know if I can pray another prayer or sing another song. I don't know if I can even read another verse. I'm just whipped. But I want to be close to you. I want to be in your presence. I love feeling like I'm next to you, Lord, even though I know I'm not everything I ought to be. But in your presence, Lord, somehow there's fullness of joy. And I know I'm a sinner, and I know I've blown it, and I know I'm not perfect, I know I've got stuff to work on. But I love your presence, Lord. And I hold on to it that you are the friend of sinners. And through you're healer. You're a healer of the broken heart. Could I just go to sleep here a minute, Lord? Could I just rest a minute? Instead of him saying, get up, you get up, you get up, you get up right now. Give, give, me, the, give me the third chapter of Romans followed by the fifth chapter of Romans. Take it into chapter 10, and then we'll see. <laughs> Who made that up? Some Pharisee under the guise of Christianity that you work your way, you earn your way, you prove your way, you press your way into the favor of God. If that's where it had started, there wouldn't be any of us sitting here looking at each other Thank on a New Year's you. Sunday morning. Thank you. It started with him when we didn't have any sign of spiritual life to give back to him, Ephesians chapter 2. Yes. But he and his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. He quickened us even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. By grace, we've been saved. Not by works, Stop, drop the works as if that's gonna earn me some kind of favor with God. The works are to follow what happens when I know that he loves me. And I'm doing what I'm doing out of response to this undeserved kindness and love and mercy that he's shown me in my heart. I can't help but want to serve him. I can't help but want to praise him because of what he's done. I don't praise him to impress him. I praise him because I can't help it. It works in me. One in whose presence you can relax third part here's somebody else that, or another part of a person and whom you would greatly desire it would be one whom you greatly respect now you can be in the presence of folks that may not be high and mighty and, and there can be joy in that but what if what if the one to whom we are called to delight in happens to be famous, happens to be wealthy, happens to wield great authority, It happens also to embody humility and honesty? And compassion. And we know that because he is the one who has called our name. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. If he ran out of gold, he'd just make some more. The angel armies salute to him. He holds the highest position of authority in the universe. Why? Because he created the cotton-picking thing. And he's the one who says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You are the apple of my eye. You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You weren't the booby prize. You weren't just the the, the giveaway. I picked you out to be my son. Picked you out to be my daughter. When you let that in, you can start enjoying God. Yeah. Does that mean we've, we're, we're flipped? We, we take it lightly? We, we No! It is exactly the opposite. When it drops 18 inches, who he is, and what you mean to him and thereby what he means to you. Delight in him. So I want to be in your presence, Lord. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I, I want to offer to you four, real quick, four Specific expressions of what delighting in the Lord could look like for you, for us in the coming year. We'll come back on these. I'm going to try to take them, take a lot of detail. If I'm delighting in Him, number one, I'm going to want to find out everything that I can possibly find out about this one in whom I delight. I'm I'm putting it this way. I will read Jesus. Read Jesus. Now, what are you talking about? Mark, Luke, John, and Matthew. Why are you putting it in that order? Because Mark's the shortest, Mark is probably the oldest, the gospel of Mark. Mark is included by about 93%, scholars estimate, in, in Luke and Matthew. I'd say, just incur- I don't want to embarrass anybody, myself included. But we can say, I believe the Bible I believe what Jesus said, I believe what Jesus did. But if I were to ask you, so how long has it been since you read the life of Jesus? Now here's a a fundamental problem, I believe, just me talking, with discipleship, Christian discipleship. We're liable to start in Genesis, We're liable to start. Romans is a great place to start. We're we're liable to start in the Psalms and we're trying to decide. Who, 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 who though, who, who is the main character in the whole 66 books? Who is it? It's Jesus. And finally, somewhere down the line, we come back and, oh, by the way, maybe we better find out what he said that we should teach people to do and reciprocate in their generation so the church won't die out. It's like it's it's, it's an aside. We we run off and try to read the whole Bible before we read the main part of the the plot. Read Jesus. Read Jesus. I want to challenge the church. I want to challenge Alamo City to join me in an enterprise this year that we will focus our reading on the Gospels of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll read his miracles. We'll read what he said. We'll read his signs and wonders. We'll read, the, the, we'll read him. We'll, that, there are four, four books that start the New Testament off that are nothing but the sayings and actions of Jesus Christ. All of the Old Testament points to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The book of the Revelation is pointing toward this Jesus, but in a glorified form, coming back to this earth one day. Jesus, if you're gonna delight in somebody, you're gonna wanna know everything you know about that one. Am I in here by myself? The 89 chapters in those four books, you can read three chapters a day for 30 days and already have gotten it done. You say, well, I can crank that out. I can beat that. The point is not how fast you read it, but it's what is he saying to you while you read it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. During the course of this year, we're gonna need fresh faith. We're gonna need bold faith. We're gonna need enduring faith. We're gonna need persevering faith. We're going to need miracle faith. Where's that come from? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Until when somebody says, "What would Jesus do?" What would Jesus do? There's immediately a cross reference going off inside you where you read something out of the twelfth chapter of Luke. If there's another one that was similar to that in the fifteenth chapter of John, and all of a sudden you know what Jesus would do because you read what he did. It's not a guess. Delight yourself in him, read him, read him. You can get a new Testament. You don't have to have to have a full 40 pound Bible, you know, with, 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 with metal front and back. You, you, you can get you a little, or even on your phone, but I, I would get, get a little pocket new Testament and you can flag that. You can read two chapters and put your marker in there and come back to it later. Here's the second thing I want to say to you. Read Jesus The second one is ask Jesus, ask Jesus, ask Jesus, ask Jesus. Philippians four, six, and seven, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, here's the word, let your askings, let your askings be made known unto God. And the peace of God. After you've done your asking, the peace of God will guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Here, there was a a wonderful, wonderful saint of the Lord named George Mueller in the 1800s and and the the founder of of, of an orphanage where it's estimated in his lifetime. He fed and clothed 10,000 orphans during his lifetime without ever asking, going public for a request. He would just talk to the Lord. But here's what what George Mueller would do. He would take his Bible, get up in the morning, and he had a walk that he would would take. And here's what he would do. He would read the scripture and he would talk to the Lord. He would read the scripture and he would ask the Lord. It seemed as if as as he read, The Lord was feeding him the word. And as he asked, he was letting his anxious thoughts, the pressing concerns be made known to the Lord. I would encourage you to try that. Instead of having a prayer list that you come to later, I'm I'm gonna read and then I'm gonna go through my prayer list. I'd encourage you to mix them up and not get real, real legalistic about how you do that. You may come into a passage and there may be five verses out of John chapter 15 that you can't move past. You want to try to get to two two chapters or three chapters, but you're hung up in a good way in the teaching of the Lord, the promises of the Lord in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. But here's what will happen to you. You get to reading the word of God and the spirit of God will begin to work on your spirit you'll start remembering things that you didn't even know, hadn't even thought about to pray for, or maybe it was somebody or something that you did want to pray about, but you weren't sure when it was gonna come, but it'll just come up. As you read, something in your spirit gets activated. There'll be something put in your heart to do. I want to say to you, say to you, you read him and then you ask him, you say, well, I hadn't had any peace about this. I've struggled with this. Well, okay, so here, here is the number one first question. Have you asked him to help you with it? You say, well, he already knows. That he, that, that's true, but that doesn't take care of the instruction of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Even though he knows it. He wants to use the places of pressure and stress and difficulty and even opportunities. It could be great, but they're scary to us. He wants to use those places to draw us into a closer friendship and relationship with him. So instead of it being just this generic thing, okay, I hear all the prayers of all the Christians everywhere. He said, no, no, David, I I want to hear you. Put in your own words from your own heart, this specific thing that's bugging you or you're worried about an opportunity. You don't know what you're going to do with. I want you to come to me with that. So I'm reading the scripture and I'm unloading my heart. Just you and Jesus. Turn the crazy radio off. Turn the preachers off. Not all the time, but I'm not saying, don't, don't go read a book about Jesus. Don't go read another book about Jesus. Read Jesus. Don't be spending your time reading what somebody else said about the one who's supposed to be the lover of your soul. Great Scott. I don't want to hear somebody else telling me how much Shirley loves me based on what she said to them about it. I want to hear it out of her lips. I want to hear it from her. Look, if this was just about a robot, if this was just about a, you know, just, just a, 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 no emotion involved, then the, the instructions would have been different. Delight is an emotional word. You can't delight in something just with your brain. You're going to delight in something when your heart is engaged. And the Lord saying, I want that. I want that part of you. You don't have to be afraid of me at that point. I created you like that. So I invite you in with the troubles in this life. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want to show you my overcoming power in your part, your corner of the world. Ask him. Ask him. Read him. Ask him. Follow him. Follow him. Now here's one verse, one Old Testament verse that is a summary verse. And I hope a bunch of you already know it. If you don't, it's just, this is the time to latch hold to Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you? Jesus came as the embodiment, the fulfillment of the law. And not just the breaches of the law that his blood covered for, but he came in his righteous living to fulfill every command of the law not just to atone for our broken parts of the law, but to fulfill the law and righteousness in our behalf. What we didn't do, he did in the way he kept the commandments of God perfectly. And here's what he kept perfectly. You've heard, oh man, what does the Lord require of you? But to do what's right and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. If you wanted to summarize the life of Jesus, the fulfillment of the law as as resonant in Jesus, it would be Micah 6, 8. Many other peripheral and corollary verses, but he did what was right. Lord Jesus, will you help me today to do what is right in your sight? I'm not talking, this, this, is, this, is, this is to be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday practice and an and opportunity for us as we're delighting in him. Lord, I, I, I want to I follow you. I want to be as close to you and stay as close to you as I can throughout the days of my life, business or no business, at home or whoever I'm with. Lord, so here, here's what it is that you require that I would do what's right in your sight that I'd love mercy. I'd love seeing mercy happen. Now folks, you you talk about for some of us a huge thing that's gotta just just revolutionize the inside, our knee-jerk reactions. It's not just to tolerate or condone or bless mercy when it's out there, but the word is to love mercy, to love it. For God so loved the world. Now what kind of world? Baptist world? Catholic world? Taxpaying world? American world, Vatican world, world, period. All inclusive of every living, breathing human on the face of the earth from past to future when it all comes down and it all ends. God so loved the world. There's some that can break our hearts, some that can make us so mad, there's some that we don't know what we're gonna do to protect ourselves from. Lord, would you help me? Would you help me to love mercy? There's a part of me that just wants them to be judged and send them on to hell. The world will be a better place. Help me to love mercy, Jesus. Shut my mouth. Change the fire. Put out the fire in my head and in my heart. Help me to love, mercy, and help me to walk humbly with my God, not strutting, not it's all about me, not just evaluating everything as whether people notice me, what they've responded to me, how, what it is, what I get out of it. Help me to walk humbly with my God. So Lord, if, 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 my, if my part of that is that you, you desire and it's your plan for me to be buried for a season of my life in absolute obscurity Unknown to many. As to what I may feel like you may want to do with me someday, Lord, I what I want more than anything else is your presence. And if your presence for me is going to be found in a place of obscurity, in a place of being overlooked for a season, but in that place I sense your presence as Jesus sensed your presence as he grew up in obscurity, then Lord, I want that. The light, yourself the Lord. Read him, ask him, follow him, give to him, give to Jesus, give to Jesus. I sooner or later always end up, seem like coming back here when I I just got a shot at at folks starting out. In their walk with the Lord, maybe a couple coming freshly back to the Lord or, or whatever it might be. I, I just what, what if if he's interested in all things about your life, how can he not also be interested in your finances? I, I mean, how many, how many don't raise your hand, do not raise your hand, do not raise your hand. But how many of you, even in the last week, have had some kind of fuss between husband or wife over something having to do with finances? It matters to him. If our heart is to please him, our heart is to delight in him, then there's, it, it, it just is going to be a natural, it just doesn't want to make sense, that when Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it'll run spill over into your lap. He wasn't saying something that was hard for a, for a child of God, for a follower of Jesus who understands the love of God in their hearts to get. We want to. I mean, I had all my money. I, I, was, I was exercising control over all 100% before I really came to know the Lord, and I, and I was miserable. Broke most of the time, and none of it could buy what I needed to make me happy. And then I came to understand that the Lord's just saying the first 10% belongs to me. You give to me the first 10%, and you watch what I'll do for you with the remaining 90%. Folks, I'm telling you, I've, I've been in this... Shirley and I were trying to add this up a while ago. I think her math is wrong, but, but it's been a series of decades that we've been doing this as, 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 as a pastor and wife. I, I am telling you this. You honor the Lord with the first 10% of all of your streams of revenue. God will show himself to be your provider, your protector, your stretcher, the one who brings in from spots you did not even have a clue or even open possibilities for you to bring those into the present reality of your life. You will see it. And when he says, you test me now in this, I, I figure, okay, Lord, I'm jumping in. I'm jumping in. The first check I write, the first bill I pay, It's given to you what belongs to you. He says in Malachi 3, you've been under a financial curse. And you're under a financial curse because you're spending my money on your stuff. You get that straight and I will break the curse I'll open the windows of heaven and cause the blessings and release to come. And then he says two other things in Matthew, excuse me, Malachi 3, verse 9. He says, here's, here's what it means for the windows of heaven to open up. The devourer, the locust that has been coming in and eating all the crops, I'm gonna shut the locust mouth. I'm gonna shut down the devourer. Here's what it means for us. I will show you that what you have, I will make go farther. It's a part of the windows of heaven being open. You honor me first, and you watch this. You watch it. Test me and see if it's not true. What you have, what is the fruit of the ground, the locust won't devour anymore. It will go farther. It will go farther. And then the other thing is, the other one he says, and I, I will cause the vines not to prematurely cast their grapes, cast the fruit. That meant here's this, here's this harvest, here's this ripening harvest, and it's gonna be an abundant harvest, but then something happens and this is, it, it's, a, it's a fact of nature that all of a sudden grapes can just be cast from the vines and the, the wine can't be, they can't be, they're ruined. The harvest is ruined. It's a deal. It's an opportunity. It's something you've worked on. It's right there. But it just keeps falling away. It just keeps going away. The Lord says, watch this. Here's how I'll open the heavens for you. The devourer will be stopped in eating up what you have. And those deals, those opportunities that you've been working on that are there, I will see to it. That they don't vacate prematurely. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know, you don't know how tight things are. I would just say to you, that may be why it's so tight. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to be ugly. I mean it's just flat out the truth. Forty-something years of looking into people, every bit as good looking as you folks. The ones who step into this promise, who step into this. Are the ones they may not be living in million-dollar houses. They may not be having private planes to take them here, there, and yonder. But I'm going to tell you, you get to asking them about the faithfulness of God in the area of finances when they've established Him to be the center of their financial world by just obeying that part. And I'm telling you, they'll say they will come. You do this. You do this. You can, Pastor, tell my story. Pastor, tell my story. Pastor, tell my story. It will be in a way that you will know that God and God only has done it. Yeah. So he gets the credit. Bring it to, to the story. Well, that, well, that's another whole deal. I'm just saying to you, if you're, if we're, when we're delighting in him, this isn't a big deal. It's not a burden. When he has become the joy of my life, I'm understanding that he loved me when he didn't have to love me. They just kept my family together. He's kept my health together. He's, he's done things for me when he didn't have to. Then I, then I want to read him. I want to ask him. I want to follow him. I want to give to him. What, what a great day to have New Year's Day on. Huh? What a great day. This is a day of starting fresh. Now here's what I'm going to say to you. I'm going to sit down, hush up. We're going to go eat some black-eyed peas and cornbread around our house. Here's what I want to say to you. As we start this year, this is a day of fresh beginning. If there's something inside your spirit, something inside of you that you need to start, start it today. If there's something inside your spirit that you know you need to quit, stop it today. Don't buy the live. Well, let me just pray about it a little bit. If, you, if, 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 if that alone was enough, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Let me just think about it a little bit, Father. Let me just pray. Look, is, is, it, is it ruining your life or is it something that could bless your life? Is it a choice that you can make? Choose it today. Cotton know, I know that's not very spiritual, but... Just do just choose it now, start it now. All right, I told you I was done, that's it. Now, if if you wanna show church, you're not gonna be around here very long. This is the last time we'll probably see you. If If it's somehow all about, well, you know, how can we just really look good and show up and impress people and come to church, find another spot to be on Sunday. Don't waste your time here. The focus here, we just feel like it needs to be real living, real people, real Jesus, real power, real truth, real hope, real hope. I want the doctor to tell me the truth, don't you? When the Lord speaks his truth through his word and he says, this will fix it. Here's how you can look to me and lean upon me. Here's a principle that will work in your life. Instead of being mad about it, I can say, Lord, thank you, Jesus. It is the truth that sets the captive free. Now, some of you today are going to step into, over time, if you'll stick with it, a dimension of financial freedom that you have never known. there's no promise you're going to buy a lottery ticket, and that's going to buy you, get you $5 million. We're not talking about that. But we are talking about knowing that you are not alone in your finances. You are not alone in your life that you were picked out, chosen. He's delighted in you and wanted you close since before you were ever born. Let him have his way in 2017. Delight yourself in the Lord. And what? He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, we're going to come back to that last part another time.